Happy New Year, everybody. Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 7th of January 2023. This is David and your other readers this week are Susan, John and Catherine. And the editor this week is Eleanor. All are members of Team 5. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamstead and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. So all telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless it says otherwise. This week's headlines. Tree menders. Scouts to collect real Christmas trees to help the environment. Christmas baby joy and unpaid carers in exhibition. These and other stories now follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Susan. The first Berkhamsted Scout Group is collecting real Christmas trees for recycling. People in and around Berkhamsted can sign up to have their trees picked up from their houses and recycled in a shredding machine in Water Lane Car Park. The charity suggests a minimum voluntary contribution of £4 per tree. The chippings made from the trees are used by Decorum Borough Council to keep flower beds weed-free in the area. Paul Chambers, first Berkhamsted Scout leader, said, We save people time by taking their tree for them in our large vans, which cuts the number of individual car trips to the shredder. It's better for the environment, and you don't have to spend ages clearing pine needles from the back of your car. The Scout Group have recycled Christmas trees for over 15 years and have helped transport more than 11,000 Christmas trees for shredding. Jenny Jenkins, chair of the first Berkhamsted Scouts, said, It's a significant group effort with many volunteers and local businesses providing support, but we're proud of the community service we provide. The funds raised will go towards equipment and activities for the children, maintenance of the scout huts and financial support for trips and expeditions for various local scout groups. The deadline for online bookings is midnight on January 7th, 2023. Alternatively, between 9am and 3pm on Saturday, January 7th, residents can buy a prepaid collection tag at the Scout Christmas Tree Stall on Berkhamsted High Street. Hello, I'm John. Alternatively, you could bring your real Christmas tree to one of the Christmas tree chipping points on Sunday 8th of January 2023, so it can be turned into plant bedding. The first is Berkhamsted at Canal Fields Car Park, over the canal behind Waitrose, that's HB4 2AL, from 8am to 3pm. Next is Hemel Hempstead, at Decorum Borough Council, Cupid Green Depot, HP2 7BA, this again from 8am to 3pm, and finally Tring. Tring Garden Centre, HP23, 5HF, drop-off only, this from 10.30am 
to 4.30 p.m. We will be offering bags of Christmas tree chippings so that you can use against weeds in the garden. Any unclaimed chippings will be made into compost. Hello, I'm Catherine. A couple from Hemel Hempstead was given the best gift ever after their baby daughter was born on Christmas Eve. Appropriately named Baby Eve Geocell was one of the first babies to arrive on December the 24th, born at 1.42am. The midwives at Watford General Hospital had a busy festive period, supporting the arrival of 13 babies on Christmas Eve, three on Christmas Day and six on Boxing Day. Maitra Bukhtari, director of midwifery, said congratulations to all the families who celebrated the arrival of their Christmas babies. Mitra thanked the staff who worked over the Christmas holiday period and added, I'm so proud of our maternity teams. A group of unpaid carers, including some from decorum, are exhibiting pictures and a snapshot into their lives at an exhibition by Carers in Hertfordshire's Camera Club. The club will hold the exhibition A Day in the Life at the Radlett Centre from January the 5th to the 30th. Club facilitators Ron and Sandy said, This exhibition is a way to give a voice to the carers in the club by showing people what being a carer means and highlighting some of the issues that carers are faced with. They added, It allows members to show their work, demonstrate their talents and see their images as big prints. Some photos will be available to buy, with profits being donated to carers in Hertfordshire. Claire Prothero, the char charity's carers' development and learning officer, said, We know carers value having time to themselves, away from caring, and this club enables them to socialise and enjoy their interests. This Week in History January the 4th, 1929 Australian cricketer Don Bradman made his first Test century playing against England. On this day last year Skateboarding in middle age helps people navigate depression, bond with their children and cope with personal trials, a study found. January the 5th 1971. One day international cricket was born when 46,000 spectators watched England play Australia at Melbourne. January the 6th, 1977. Music publisher EMI ended its contract with the Sex Pistols because of their notorious behaviour in public. January the 7th, 1927. The transatlantic telephone service between London and New York opened, charging £15 for three minutes. On this day last year, Sir David Attenborough lent his voice to a special episode of popular children's show Hey Dougie to show the importance of plants in our lives. January the 8th, 1940. Sugar, bacon and butter were rationed in Britain. January the 9th, 1927. 
Greta Garbo and John Gilbert, real-life lovers, shocked cinema-goers in New York by their uninhibited kissing in the silent film Flesh and the Devil. On this day last year, the then Duchess of Cambridge was praised for her vision and commitment in establishing a new institution to support the early years as she celebrated her 40th birthday. There were over eight times as many opposite-sex civil partnerships as same-sex partnerships in Hertfordshire last year, figures reveal. A change in the law around civil partnerships saw them extended to opposite-sex couples from December 2019, and the first of these in England and Wales took place on December the 31st that year. The Office for National Statistic figures show 136 opposite-sex couples in Hertfordshire formed civil partnerships in 2021, compared to 16 same-sex civil partnerships. There have been 358 opposite-sex civil partnerships in Hertfordshire since the government changed to the law. 217 were formed in 2020 and five on New Year's Eve 2019. Previously, only same-sex couples could enter into civil partnerships. But in June 2018, the Supreme Court ruled that this was incompatible with the European Convention on Human Rights. Around 13,400 opposite-sex couples across England and Wales have formed civil partnerships since the end of 2019. Martin Lote of the Equal Civil Partnerships Campaign Group said, Nearly 6,000 couples formed a mixed-sex civil partnership in 2021. That's a lot of people and families who are now in a secure relationship, legally and financially, who obviously wanted an alternative to marriage. The number is lower than in 2020, but we know that many, many couples were waiting for the opportunity to have a civil partnership and preferred to remain unmarried otherwise. The pent-up demand, despite COVID restrictions, naturally boosted the number in its first year. The popularity of same-sex civil partnerships across England and Wales has plummeted since the first legalised gay marriages took place in 2014. In 2021, just 1,039 took place, down significantly from 14,900 in 2006, the first full year in which same-sex couples could form a civil partnership. Rich Pereira, Deputy Director of Demography at the ONS, said, In 2021, the majority of civil partnerships continued to be between opposite-sex couples, following their introduction in late 2019. Current data show the age distribution of people forming opposite-sex civil partnerships is older than those forming same-sex civil partnerships. 
those forming opposite-sex civil partnerships are more likely to have been previously married or civil partners than those forming same-sex civil partnerships. A disabled couple from Hemel Hempstead was unable to shower for four days after the heating pipes in their home froze as temperatures plummeted. Gillian and Stephen Dolling called the Borough Council on December 11th as they could not shower or heat their council-owned property in Highfield. And Gillian, 65, says she repeatedly contacted the council over the next three days after the cold weather caused the exter exterior pipes to freeze, but no engineers visited to fix the problem. In tears, she said, I just need a shower. I know it's the weather and it can't be helped, but everyone deserves to have a shower. The couple's daughter, Nikki, said the council told her parents to use a ladder to pour boiling water into the frozen pipe. Due to their medical conditions, they could not do this and had a relative help. The pipe thawed out, but less than an hour later had frozen again. A spokesperson for Decorum Borough Council said, We are prioritising our vulnerable residents and have extra cover in place to address any report of no heating and or hot water as quickly as possible. They added, Decorum Borough Council has installed energy-efficient condensing boilers that use a condensed pipe to discharge water during normal operation. Unfortunately, during the sustained cold weather, we experienced a high number of reported boiler breakdowns due to these condensed pipes freezing, which places the boiler in an error state until such time that the ice thaws. Where required, the external condensed pipes are insulated to reduce the risk of freezing. In relation to this property, the boiler is located in the airing cupboard on the first floor, which means the condensed line is high level and the engineers are not able to thaw the condensed line as working alone off a ladder in the current weather conditions would, would pose a significant health and safety risk. When notified of the breakdown and identification of the cause, an engineer attended and supplied temporary electric heaters, hot water is available via the immersion heater. Decorum saw a fall in the rate of adult smokers last year, new figures show. Office for National Statistics figures recorded the lowest proportion of smokers in the UK to date, with e-cigarettes playing a major role in the decline. The ONS data shows 14.3% of people aged over 18 in decorum were smokers in 2021, down slightly from 147 the year before. However, it was an increase from 11% five years ago. Last year, a further 20.8% of adults in the area were ex-smokers, while 64.9% had never smoked. Men in decorum smoked more than women, with 18.6% taking up cigarettes, while 10.6% of women smoked. Hazel Cheeseman, Deputy Chief Executive of Action on Smoking and Health, welcomed the overall fall in smoking levels, but said the government must not become complacent. Ms Cheeseman added that without a new tobacco plan from the government, the vision of being smoke-free by 2030 will not be met. The current tobacco control plan aims to reduce smoking prevalence among adults in England to 12% or less by the end of 2022. 
Regionally, 12.9% of adults in the east of England were smokers, with those aged from 25 to 34, that's 17%, making up the highest proportion of smokers. Across the UK, 13.3% of adults smoked cigarettes in 2021, down from 14% last year, and a significant fall from 20.2% a decade ago. The ONS said the increase in people taking up e-cigarettes has played a major role in the fall, with a separate survey finding 7.7% of those aged 60 and over in Great Britain last year used an e-cigarette daily or occasionally. It was an increase from 2000, when 6.2% of people reported daily or occasional e-cigarette use. The survey found that the proportion of vapours was highest among current cigarette smokers, 24.6%, and ex-cigarette smokers, 14.8%, with only 1.7% of people who've never smoked reporting that they vaped. David Fothergill, chairman of the Local Government Association's Community Wellbeing Board, said that councils can help deliver the ambition of eliminating smoking in England by 2030, but needed certainty over long-term funding. Mr Fothergill added, reducing smoking rates among the remaining 5.4 million smokers in England is the single biggest thing we can do to improve the nation's health. Residents at a care home and sheltered housing in Hemel Hempstead say they were left with no heating multiple times in December amid freezing temperatures. Martin Thomas's grandmother, Thelma, lives at Evelyn Sharp House, but when Martin and his partner, John, went to visit, they say she was in a cold room with broken radiators. John said, I felt physically sick. My nan is so fragile and her hands were frozen. But a spokesperson for Decorum Borough Council, which runs Evelyn Sharp House, says there are no current heating issues there. They explained, Heating is supplied via a communal heating system maintained by Decorum Borough Council appointed heating engineers, Orion. Low heating levels were reported on December the 15th. Orion attended and diagnosed the issue as a controls fault, which was rectified the same day. The communal system is fully operational. As residents have started to use the heating system, there have been reports of individual radiators not heating, or not heating sufficiently, all of which have been attended to. John says the heating issues have been going on for months. He said loads of people have been telling the wardens and that something should have been done in the summer, but nothing's been done. The residents' costs cover the heating, but not electricity bills. With the high price of energy, many have not turned on their space heaters. John explained, and it's not just my nan who's scared of putting her heater on. There's a load of them. Designers are already forecasting the trends set to influence our homes and decor in 2023. And playful colour, warm comfort and jazzed up walls are all in the mix. We ask the experts at leading home design platform, House, 
www.nostalgiaconnect.co.uk to share their insights. First, nostalgia. From the resurgence of modern farmhouse style, which is up by 135% in searches on house year over year, to the recent interest in cottage core, homeowners are looking to the familiarity and comfort of the past and bringing elements of this into their modern living spaces, says Howe's UK editor, Victoria Harrison. Within the most saved photos on the website, she says, they're increasingly seeing warm wood, rich colours and carefully chosen vintage pieces being featured, along with heirloom textiles such as patchwork blankets, tapestries and antique rugs. Nature is a strong theme here too. Nature is our go-to when it comes to sourcing inspiration for our interiors, says Emma Sims-Hilditch, founder and creator, creative director of Sims-Hilditch. Our clients have come to expect a homely and welcoming aesthetic inspired by English country style that is uniquely tailored to meet the needs of their contemporary lifestyles. Repurposed antiques, natural textures and plenty of layers provide comfort, character and depth. And playful colours, patterns and artwork bring a sense of fun to the design. Going on to warm colours, at the beginning of 2022, designers predicted a move away from cooler tones to a warmer palette. Now we're seeing shades of terracotta, pink and mustard, creeping into room schemes, with searches for dusky pink, brown and mustard increasing. These colours are warm and relaxing, and along with the trend for nostalgia, could also be a result of homeowners looking for rooms that offer comfort and reassurance, she says, adding the Pantone's nearly announced 2023 colour of the year, Viva Magenta, a vibrant pinky red, certainly ties in with the trend. It's definitely a bold shade, but for all the brave, all over magenta can really energise a room, she notes. It also works equally well as an accent colour. Temperature regulating design. Climate control inside the home seems increasingly popular right now. With greater extremes in weather and rising energy bills, comes a need to rethink the way we regulate the temperature in our homes, explains Harrison. In the past year, she says, they've seen an uptick in searches for external shutters, with heat-reducing window treatments set to pay play a much bigger part in keeping homes cool in the summer months. Overheating is a common problem exacerbated by the modern trend for large areas of glazing without consideration of solar control, says Sam Cooper, director for E2 Architecture and Interiors. Passive solar control can be incorporated into the glazing, but will often cut out some of the light and colour. East and west-facing glazing will suffer the most from solar gain, so it's best to consider shading it with deciduous trees or shutters, so you can benefit from the winter sun and control the summer sun, Cooper adds. 
Harrison thinks effective insulation will become a more pressing concern as homeowners seek out ways to improve their thermal efficiency of their homes. Cooper says, careful consideration needs to be given when specifying insulation to a wall, particularly solid masonry. These more traditional structures breathe to allow moisture to travel in and out of the construction. For this reason, he suggests it's best to use complementary natural materials, like wood fibre or cork, in conjunction with lime plasters and not too much insulation. Interesting wall coverings. It looks like wall coverings are set to play a big part in 2023 home decor, with murals, bold papers and interesting textures all emerging as growing trends. Searches for decorative wall panels are up 132% and for modern wall panelling up by 116%. Nowadays, our clients are more open to bolder suggestions than they have ever been before, says Omar Batty of CEO of Space Shack. And wall coverings are becoming a big part of their interior design projects. Clients want to liven up bare walls and give them some life, Batty adds. Previously, we may have achieved this by hanging artwork or creating gallery walls. With so many different options from micro-cement, raw plaster and lime wash paint, which can give walls texture, as well as textured wallpapers and wall panelling, Batty says the common theme between all of these options is that they give the space much more character. Just one in seven people thinks now is a good time to buy a house. One of the lowest confidence ratings recorded by building societies in nearly 15 years. While 14% of people think now is a good time to buy a property, 47% do not think now is a good time to purchase a home. The Building Societies Association, BSA, found... Weighing these two figures up against each other, this gave a net confidence rating of minus 33% of people believing now is a good time to buy a home, which the BSA said is one of the lowest levels of confidence that it has seen since its record started nearly 15 years ago. High house prices, rising mortgage rates and rapidly increasing essential living costs are among the factors dragging on market confidence, the BSA said. There has been a significant shift in the proportion of people expecting house prices to fall in the next 12 months. Nearly half, 49%, of people believe house prices will fall in the coming year, up from 35% who thought this in September. Some 16% of people now think house prices will rise, down from 31% who thought this three months ago. In what could also have wider impacts for customer confidence beyond the housing market, nearly 1 in 10, 9%, people are worried about the value of their home falling. Mortgage affordability was viewed as the biggest barrier to buying a property, with raising a deposit and access to a big enough home loan also among the most widespread concerns. The December property tracker survey of more than 2,000 people found these facts. The research also found that nearly a quarter of renters are now concerned about meeting their housing costs in the next six months. 
Paul Broadhead, head of mortgages and housing policy at the BSA, said, while several house price measures are now showing modest price falls, the significant increases over the last two years, alongside the spiralling cost of fuel, food and energy, means mortgage affordability for those wishing to buy a property is likely to be more difficult now than it was 12 months ago. I expect this and raising a deposit will remain key barriers to home ownership for some time to come, with many potentially having to lower their ambitions on the property they, they consider buying. He added that lenders are sensitive to the rising number of people facing a squeezed household budget and have teams who are trained and experienced in providing tailored support to those who are struggling. Anyone who is worried about their finances and ability to pay their mortgage should get in touch with their lender or a debt advisor as soon as possible, the BSA said. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. It's the dawn of a new year and many are counting the cost of Christmas past. As we all negotiate the period between December and our next payday in January, Twixmas, cash-strapped Brits are being advised on how to survive this tough period. Penny-pinching pros at netvouchers.codes.co.uk have put together ways to help ease the pressure on your finances during this stretch. Many Brits receive an early payday in the run-up to Christmas, and although this is helpful during the festive season, the next payday can often seem far away. Tips and tricks include 1. Shop smarter. An obvious solution is to refrain from doing any unnecessary shopping on clothes and luxury items that you can go without. 2. Cook in bulk. Instead of cooking a separate meal each night, why not try meal prepping and cooking in bulk? 3. Avoid unnecessary spending. For example, try making a coffee before you leave the house and consider meal prepping for the week ahead. 4. Dry January. If there's ever a time to do it, you may as well stop drinking with the rest of the nation. 5. Sell unwanted items. Social plans tend to die down in January, with everyone in similar financial situations, so this should give you some free time to go through and clear out any unwanted items. 6. Check monthly subscriptions. Cancel any that you don't use or need, or maybe even put some on hold until the next payday. 7. Don't be tempted by January sales. January sales can be very tempting, but the truth is, if you didn't need it in time for Black Friday or Christmas, then you probably don't need it now. 8. Avoid racking up unnecessary debt. A lot of retailers now offer a buy now, pay later scheme, and whilst these might seem like a good idea now, there'll be an unnecessary worry come January.
And now we come to information from Neighbourhood Watch. Here are some current scams to watch out for. Please help to raise awareness by alerting your friends and family. Mobile phone offers. You receive a call from someone claiming to be from your mobile phone provider offering a big discount on a new phone. They then use your account details to purchase a new phone. The phone is delivered to you, but the fraudster then calls you to say the wrong phone was sent. They arrange to collect it, but they then keep it for themselves. WhatsApp messages. You receive a WhatsApp message claiming to be from your son or daughter. They say their phone is damaged and they urgently need money transferred to a bank account to arrange a replacement. This is a scam. PayPal request money emails. You receive an email which uses PayPal's request money feature. The wording is designed to look like a payment has already been made. This is to pressure you into clicking on the payment link. If you receive a PayPal email about a payment you are not expecting, treat it as suspicious and do not click on the Pay Now link in the email. Be wary when selling goods online. Criminals target people selling phones or other valuables via online selling platforms. They contact you and arrange to buy the item from you via bank transfer. You receive an email claiming to be from a bank, confirming that funds have been received but won't be released until you provide proof of postage. You then post the item, but the payment never arrives. Alternatively, the fraudster offers to collect the item. When they arrive, they pay you using a convincing banking app. The app can mimic apps from several banks and seem to show the funds being transferred to your account. We urge you not to release an item you are selling until you have independently confirmed that the money is in your account. If you believe you are a victim of a scam, contact your bank immediately and then report it online to actionfraud.police.uk or call 0300-123-2040. Decorum Council announces changes to garden waste collections in 2023. As part of our Waste Services Transformation Programme, we are modernising our services in line with industry practice. This will include actions such as route optimisation to support our goal to reach net zero emissions as an organisation by 2030. As part of this transformation, our Garden Waste Collection Service will change from a discretionary service to a paid subscription service. Registration for the new service will open in January 2023. We know many of you value us collecting your garden waste, so we will provide the subscription-based collection for those customers who want to keep this service. We will be joining other councils in Hertfordshire, including St Albans, Watford, Three Rivers, 
North Hearts, Broxbourne and Wellin Hatfield, who all charge for garden waste collections. Over two-thirds of councils in England currently charge for this service and, with increased financial pressures, sadly we can no longer offer this service without collecting a subscription charge, which will go towards covering the direct costs of delivering the service and help reduce our impact on the environment. Councillor Graham Barrett, portfolio holder for Neighbourhood Services, said... Local authorities across the country are facing immense pressure to provide essential and statutory services and any increase in council tax will be put towards these services. As a discretionary service, it is essential to make the garden waste collection self-financing to help protect our essential and statutory services. The annual subscription charge for the garden waste collection service will be £45 per wheeled bin. All additional green-lidded bins will be charged at the same rate. You will need to sign up to the new paid subscription service to continue to have your garden waste collected. We will be sending out a leaflet to all households in January with further information about this change. You will be able to purchase a garden waste subscription at any point in the year. However, the rate of £45 will remain the same throughout the year, so it is recommended that you subscribe at the beginning of the year to ensure the best value for money. Garden waste collections will continue to be paused throughout winter months when less garden waste is produced. Collections will begin again as listed in your 2023 bin calendar. If you decide not to sign up for the paid service, there are many ways you can still recycle your garden waste. You can compost it in a home composting bin and turn it into valuable and nutrient-rich food for your garden or take it to your local recycling centre. The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are Robert Albert Knight aged 94 years. John Alexander Macmillan, 85 years. And John McCarthy, 90 years. May they all rest in peace. Who knows what this year will hold, but we're sure to have lots of fun and important events coming up right here in the UK. Check out these highlights. Charles, King Charles III is crowned. On Saturday the 6th of May, the nation will be celebrating the coronation of King Charles III. The coronation ceremony will take place at Westminster Abbey in London and will be conducted by the Archbishop of Canterbury. The King will be officially crowned alongside his wife, the Queen Consort Camilla. Everyone is being given an extra bank holiday on Monday the 8th of May to mark the historic occasion. Eurovision comes to Liverpool. The city will host the 67th Eurovision Song Contest on behalf of Ukraine, last year's winners. The grand final will take place in the Liverpool Arena on Saturday the 13th of May with countries across the world showcasing their chosen bands and singers. Who will be victorious this time?
London Marathon returns in April. The famous marathon is back in its usual April slot, 23rd of April, after being held in October for the past three years because of the COVID pandemic. Thousands of runners will take to the streets of London to help raise money for charity, with many donning wacky fancy dress to delight spectators. The Great North Run, dubbed the world's biggest and best half marathon, is also returning this year on the 10th of September. Here are some more events to look out for. The World Bog Snorkeling Championships. People from across the globe will be heading for Llanwrtyd Wells in, in Wales this August to take part in this wonderfully wet spectacle. Each competitor must swim the length of a big, muddy bog in the fastest time, sometimes even in costume. The current world champion and world record holder is Neil Rutter, who achieved a time of 1 minute 18.82 seconds in the 2018 championships. Next is the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Edinburgh plays host to one of the world's biggest arts and culture festivals on the planet this summer. Performers, new and experienced, will take to hundreds of stages across the city to showcase their talents. Visitors can expect to see theatre, comedy, dance, circus, music, exhibitions and events. Chase that cheese. This brilliant event on Cooper's Hill in Gloucester sees competitors chase a double Gloucester cheese down a 200-yard-long hill. It definitely sounds silly, but it's not for the faint-hearted. People often hurt themselves and even break bones. The cheese can reach speeds of up to 70 miles per hour, and whoever can catch it first is crowned the champ. Many of us love the fantasy heroes of comics and movies that are capable of superhuman feats of strength and endurance, and the silver screen brings those fantasy figures to life. With a number of superhero films planned for 2023, we look at what's in store for fans of these lycra-clad crusaders. Marvel and DC are two of the biggest companies in the comics industry, and putting those beloved characters on the big screen has proved popular. Number one, The Flash, due out in June. The DC Speedster has appeared previously in 2017's Justice League, as well as the self-titled CW series, The Flash. This will be the character's first solo outing after decades of failed attempts to release a Flash film. Taking inspiration from the storyline of Flashpoint, the film could lead to a soft reboot of the DCEU with the introduction of multiple universes. The Flash has a monthly search volume of 64,000, coming first on our list. Number two, The Marvels, out in July. Following on from 2019's Captain Marvel and the Disney Plus's 2022 Ms. Marvel, this film will be part of Phase 5 of the MCU and will feature feature Carol Danvers, 
Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau as they attempt to figure out why they keep swapping places when using their powers. The Marvels has a monthly search volume of 30,000, making it the most anticipated Marvel film on our list. Number 3. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Out in May. Following 2017's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Volume 3 sees Peter Quill, along with his crew, rally together to defend the universe once again. Being part of Phase 5 of the MCU, we can expect cameo appearances from other Marvel heroes to set up the future of the series. Bounding out of the top three, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has a monthly search volume of 29,000. On to number four, Craven the Hunter. Out in October, the fourth film in Sony's Spider-Man universe. After a troubled development due to reboots and rights issues for the web-slinger, Sony greenlit a Craven solo film which stars Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Craven the Hunter has a monthly search volume of 16,000. And number five, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, out in February. The first film in phase five of the MCU and a follow-up to 2018's Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania pits Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne against Kang the Conqueror as they explore the quantum realm. With a monthly search volume of 9,400, Quantumania is the third Marvel film on our list. With a total of nine films this year, superhero fans will have plenty to delve into, with Quantumania being the first to be released in February, and Shazam! Fury of the Gods in March of 2023. Climate action is finally beginning to take centre stage and we're all being encouraged to grow more trees. World leaders have pledged to protect more land from deforestation. But what can you, your community group, or your neighbours do to make a difference? The environmental benefits of trees range from locking in carbon and attracting wildlife, to reducing flood risk and allowing the planet to breathe. David White the Forestry Commission's Woodland and Climate Change Adaptation Advisor says, We need to build on the tree planting progress we have made. People can get involved by joining a planting event in their community or buying a tree for your garden. But it's also important to choose the right tree for the right place and for the right reasons. Whatever tree you choose, make sure to source it from a nursery with clear plant health management standards like those with Plant Healthy, planthealthy.org.uk certification, adds White. Doing so helps protect gardens, forests and ecosystems against destructive plant pests and diseases. For more information, visit the Forestry Commission's database to help you decide on the right tree for the right place. Right trees for a changing climate, that's writetrees4cc.org.uk Starboard Hotels have a spectacular promotional 2023 offer. Stay at one of their hotels from only £50 per person per night. Sundays for five nights is £250 per person for the stay. 
Mondays for four nights is £207.50 per person for the stay. It includes hot buffet breakfast and three-course dinner every day. Must be paid in full at time of booking and is non-refundable. Upgraded rooms are available at a supplement and there are no single-room supplements. This is a one-off special offer for guests who have stayed at our hotels previously and must be booked direct with the hotels as below. Windermere Manor Hotel, 01539-445801. Carlton Hotel Blackpool, 01253-628966. Clifton Hotel Tainmouth, 01626-770052. Book fast, as this must be booked by the 8th of January 2023 to get this offer. As the cost of living crisis puts more people under strain this winter, a leading sight loss charity is encouraging blind and partially sighted people across the UK to claim their free, specially adapted audio device. Research shows that people living with sight loss are more likely to be hit harder by the cost of living crisis. British Wireless for the Blind Fund, the BWBF, provides a range of easy-to-use devices for free and for life to blind and partially sighted people across the UK who might otherwise struggle to afford them. Sophie Jones for BWBF said, Radio is a lifeline for people living with sight loss, keeping them in touch with the world as well as their local community. Sadly, costs and difficulties using off-the-shelf devices can mean that people with sight loss sometimes struggle to access the same audio content that most of us take for granted. Our equipment is free, easy to use independently, and everyone who gets a device will have full support setting it up. As the cost of living crisis takes a further hold this winter, we hope that those within the sight loss community will take advantage of this fantastic offer. BWBF's range of devices includes digital radios, devices with CD and cassette functions, portable radios and a memory stick player. To qualify for a free radio or audio device, people must be registered blind or partially sighted, live in the UK, be in receipt of a means-tested benefit. If you or someone you know is interested in a BWBF audio device, please contact Sophie Jones at sophie at blind.org.uk or phone 01622-754-757. People can also browse BWBF's 
full range of devices and apply online at www.blind.org.uk. Anyone who does not qualify for a BWBF device on free lifetime loan scheme can purchase one from BWBF's sister company, which donates all its profits back to the charity. To find out more, go to bwbfdirect.co.uk. Now, about British Wireless for the Blind Fund. British Wireless for the Blind Fund, BWBF, provides specially adapted audio devices on free lifetime loan for people living with sight loss in the UK who are facing financial hardship. The charity has also launched groundbreaking free-to-download audio apps for mobile and tablet users. Founded in 1928, the BWBF provides companionship to people who may otherwise struggle to connect with the wider world. Moving on to golf. Sol Buckner, not me, writes, With its stunning scenery, temperate climate and warm hospitality, I've always enjoyed my visits to this part of Europe. So after two memorable golfing trips to the Algarve, I was once again excited at the opportunity to return to experience the delights that Portugal has to offer golfers. This time, I headed to the capital Lisbon and the stunning new Ariera Lisbon Hotel. Sea and oh, Lisbon Hotel, Sea and Golf Resort. The hotel is situated about 18 miles south from the centre of the city, heading towards Costa de Caprissa. Just a short drive from the hotel was the first of our test courses. The Arizonte Pines Classic, part of five courses offered by Arizonte Golf www.arizonte.com. The course was the venue for the Portuguese Open in 1996 and 1997, and in addition to staging several ladies' European tour events, hosted the prestigious Europeans Men's Cup trophy in 2013. At just over 6,200 yards off the yellows, and the first hole being a par 5 with a tee shot over water, I had a feeling this was going to be another memorable round of golf. And so it proved to be as I tackled a wonderfully designed course in a beautiful pine woodland setting. The Classic offers a reasonable challenge for all levels of golfer, with well-laid-out par threes, protected by wide-open bunkers, parable par fives, and some dog-leg par fours, which demand accuracy at all times. Day two saw our group head to the more testing Ariera Challenge course, with tighter fairways and more water hazards, this 6,400-yard-long course provided a sterner test. From the moment I set eyes on the first fairway, I realised this was going to be a different kind of challenge. With narrower, tree-lined fairways and some difficult par threes including, one with a 150-yard carry over water, the challenge was the biggest test of the trip, but again, very enjoyable. Day three saw my visit to the favourite course of the trip, Riber Golf. Situated around 45 minutes drive from Lisbon, 
it is set in glorious countryside adorned with cork trees. We played the 6,200-yard Oaks course, which offers a test for all golfers with lots of opportunities to drive the fairways and greens in superb condition for November. A major draw for golfers to this region is the proximity to Lisbon and all the cultural delights, sounds and smells that it offers. And Arizonte Golf is an exceptional destination combining the best of Portuguese hospitality with a first-class golfing experience. And now some football news. Mark Jones said he was sad to have left Hemel Hempstead Town, but grateful for the opportunity to manage them. After it was confirmed by the Tudors that they had parted ways at the weekend, Jones tweeted, I'm sad to say my time at Hemel has come to an end. I'd like to thank Dave Boggins for giving me the opportunity to return to management. I've enjoyed my time at the club. I would like to thank the players, staff and the many employees and volunteers who work behind the scenes. When I first came, we were bottom of the league and by Easter, we had a realistic chance of the playoffs. Unfortunately, the season petered out, but we had achieved our aims. This season, we wanted to kick on, but unfortunately, this hasn't happened. And although we are by no means cast adrift, we are disappointed to be in 15th place. I was confident with one or two tweaks, we could start to win more consistently. But the chairman is hungry for success and decided a change in management was necessary. New boss Brad Quinton has promised plenty of hard work from his players as he aims to lift Hemel Hempstead Town up the National League South table. Quinton, the former Braintree Town manager, who won promotion with the Iron in 2018, was appointed following the departure of Mark Jones following the Boxing Day loss to St Albans City and took charge for the reverse fixture on New Year's Day that the Tudors lost 2-1 despite taking an early lead. A club statement read, The club are delighted to announce the arrival of Brad Quinton in his new role as the club's first team manager. Brad has experience of National League South football, having previously managed Braintree Town, where he got the club promoted to the national division in his first season with the club. Brad has also managed at Welling United. Previously, Brad also managed Enfield Town, where he managed to get the club to three playoffs and the club's best ever FA Cup run. Speaking after his appointment and before his first game against St Albans, Quinton said, It's a very ambitious club and the aims of where it wants to go match my own ambitions. When the job became available, it was a no-brainer, really, and I jumped at the chance. Quinton added he has identified areas where changes may need to be made with regard to playing personnel. He said, I've seen a few games, knowing a lot of the players personally, and I can see where we need to strengthen and improve, and I'm confident we can do that. Right from the get-go, the work ethic is going to be stepped up. The fitness levels have obviously been looked at straight away as well as how we play, 
where we press and how resilient we are. We'll be very fast, very fit, we'll pass and exploit teams' weaknesses and commit ourselves to everything and put our bodies on the line. The players will be very enthusiastic and the fans will appreciate that. They'll expect and we will deliver. The squad needs fine-tuning, but technically the guys are very good and I'm confident in what they can do. Life on Tap with Blaze Tap. Perhaps the only good thing about catching COVID ahead of the festive period is losing weight before the real celebrations begin. In fact, in a matter of days, I lost the best part of a stone due to not having any appetite at all. And for a brief period of time, I had to tighten my belt an extra notch. While I was understandably annoyed to be housebound while everybody else was having fun, I was able to feel sorry for myself, safe in the knowledge that my misery would not be compounded by having to wear elasticated pants in January. However, it is only right in the interest of balance that I reveal that most of that loss has been wiped out by industrial levels of consumption over the Christmas and New Year period. To say that I now feel sluggish is an understatement of epic proportions, a bit like saying that 2022 was a bad year to be a Conservative. Today I was so desperate to inject some colour into my diet that I visited the deadly quiet supermarket and stocked up on anything green that wasn't sprouts, as well as some oranges to replace a huge box of tangerines I bought more than a week ago, the contents of which have now gone off on account of them not being chocolates or crisps. I even bought some celery, which although will probably get used in the coming weeks, was a classic panic buy. I am now enduring that phase where even thinking about the next meal gives me heartburn, which is understandable when all one is consuming is either beige or brown, or cheese. The newly acquired fruit and vegetables have, been, have undoubtedly livened up my fridge, which still contains an open pate, half a stone of stilton, and a tub of brandy butter, none of which will be slung out on a point of principle. Nor were the gallons of booze that were carefully acquired over the autumn months on the off chance that a local first 15 might pop by for a snifter. You never know. Still, at least, I have enough to talk enthusiastically about having everybody over for a party deep into the new year. But that won't happen either. What overbuying of everything at the end of last year does mean, however, is that I will have yet another excuse not to go on a diet when everybody else does. I mean, it would be criminal to waste food during a cost of living crisis and January is miserable enough without having to exist solely on spinach and eggs, which is also why I have long stood firm in my resistance to dry January. But something needs to give, as a new year always requires a bit of new hope, which is impossible to achieve if you haven't set yourself goals. Even those 
that you know you will have broken by the time the decorations come down. You can't possibly become a slave to points or counting calories when you have a giant Toblerone or other unopened posh chocolates at the back of the cupboard. I've also toyed with the idea of buying a tracksuit and new trainers in the January sales. The idea being that if I shell out on gear, then I will be motivated to at least attempt a bit of exercise. That idea has been vetoed by the rest of the family, who have threatened, out, threatened to move out en masse if I follow through with it. I am considering retrieving the cross trainer from the shed, returning it to its rightful place in the kitchen, where it is served as an extra-large coat hook. Soon I will be 46, but I am yet to even get a sense that a midlife crisis or even an attempt at a change of life are anywhere near being on the horizon. Josh Widdicombe and Nish Kumar are about to leap into the unique world of local news with Hold the Front Page, a six-part series following the comical duo's journey into the heart of grassroots Britain. Sky's new series will follow the highs and lows of Nish and Josh as they travel across the UK, working for a different local newspaper and their website, including a number of titles published by the Gazette's parent company, National World, on a mission to find real local stories strong enough to make the front page. Their investigative journey around Britain will see them delve into local mysteries, take part in unusual events, cover the burning issues of the day, and even involve themselves in the news or enlist a celebrity or two to help them out along the way. But with almost no journalistic experience, the pair will have to rely on their quick wits and natural curiosity as they attempt to get to the heart of what makes each town or village tick, digging up some extraordinary scoops. This will be an eye-opening look at some of Britain's amazing local communities through the lens of their local newspaper. What could possibly go wrong? Gary Shipton, a journalist and editor of more than 40 years standing, followed them on their journey in, the pers- in their pursuit of that all-beguiling front-page story. Gary Shipton is the deputy editor-in-chief of National World and runs their media operation in the south of England. Hold the Front Page launches on January the 4th on Sky Max and Now. To see a video of the interview with Josh and Nish, visit nationalworld.com. We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 8.07am and 4.09pm. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording, each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, 
There is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Then, please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly. Turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, your editor, and Michael, your technician for this week. Goodbye. Goodbye.